Hello! Today we're doing Buddhist, the section of the show where we don't necessarily talk about Buddhism. Here's Docs as usual. Nick, you're here as well. Hey, everybody. And this time we have a guest. Friend, please introduce yourself. I am Ambrose. I am a root worker. I've been practicing since about the beginning of the pandemic. I I guess before then I've been practicing unknowingly, which is actually common with root workers, with black folks in general. Cool. Well, glad to have you here. We have really been wanting more guests on this show for a while, so thank you for coming. We really appreciate having you here. All right. So it's not when we're recording this. We're a little early for that. But when this episode goes up, it is going to be Friday the 13th in October... And it's in October with an eclipse and a blood moon, I think. Like, this is going to be, like, if there were a season that were going to be particularly spooky, it's going to be this year, I think. And so, with that, we wanted to talk a bit about some stuff that's kind of Halloween-related. So, uh, Ambrose, what do you want to talk about with us today? Well, I'm going to actually start with the word spooky. Because um, that's words actually still used to describe black folks. The word spook is actually a slur against oh, shit. black folks, dark skinned folks. I did not know that. Uh, yeah, I use the word spoopy. Spoopy, okay. Spoopy, because like it's still goofy, it's still fun. Um, but, or if I'm trying to be serious, of course, I'll use. Um, unnerving, I'll use um, creepy, I'll use uh, just alternatives because in some parts of the world uh, you'll hear folks in Australia um, and New Zealand will still use the word spook to describe dark-skinned folks. Um, so I I steer away from it. <laughs> yeah, understandably, I will be doing so as well now that I actually know that. Me too, I had no idea. Yeah, it's not common knowledge uh, here, and some people will even argue because they're like, well, I've never heard that, and it's like, yeah, because it's not still used here, but it was, and um, I I just, I, I keep it out of my vocabulary these days. <laughs> yeah, reasonable. Spoopy is much more fun anyways. It is. <laughs> I like to go with, like, creepy or, you know, something like that for me but i'm also like i like the serious halloween stuff getting into like horror movies and the like so you know the the more like goofy i guess the light-hearted aspect is uh my that's not where i'm going you most of the time but you know i will not be using that word anymore sure <laughs> well thank you and then um something that comes up a lot around this time of year is things like voodoo dolls and I wanted to talk about that and well they're not just these cute little things they're poppets and poppets are something that's really important in hoodoo and voodoo and santeria and all of the diaspora from uh, from West Africa and in the islands and uh, in South America, and you even see them in um, like Turtle Island and in the indigenous cultures um, throughout the Americas or, you know, so-called Americas. Um, 
they are extremely important. They're not they're not dolls. <laughs> they're they're not meant to be these cutesy like, oh, I got a little crochet voodoo doll and it's cute and like don't get I'm, me wrong i think that they can be cute but hmm? i'm looking i I googled pop it from this and yeah but what's coming up is like you said crocheted and like one of them even has, has a sales tag on it so yeah uh just a quick google reveals you're correct yeah and uh it's they're very serious in like in the work, in the work that root workers do, and it's off-putting to see them be just made into little toys because they're actually extremely important. And I'm not going to get into all of the the actual work that's done with them. That's not my place. I'm not a teacher, um, and. It's just, it's just rude. It's extremely rude. Right. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on like that for Black and Indigenous people, I suspect. Uh, yeah, and um, and just seeing like the costumes in Spirit Halloween, like, uh, and other places that are like, oh, be a a witch doctor and be um, all 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 sorts of things. It's just like, <sighs> you know, the thing is, is that. Hoodoo, voodoo, santeria, and all of those, there's so many, there's so many, they would not exist if it were not for colonization. They were born from the diaspora. They were born from us not being able to practice our uh, religions and our spiritualities, such as uh, in West Africa, we practice Yoruba. And um, I, I shouldn't say we because I'm not African, but um, that's what I, I guess that what we were practicing there until colonization happened. We were stolen. We were kidnapped and forcibly brought over to Turtle Island and forced to practice uh, Catholicism. And we hid our gods and our spirits in saints. And so then you get hoodoo. Ah, okay. We're pretty familiar on this show with the effects of colonization on East Asian religious practices. And so a lot of what you're telling us here, that's not surprising at all. You know, I, I've, I've seen this plenty of times in my own studies of different peoples, and it's familiar, but unfortunate and unwelcome to hear the same story of colonization told over and over again in different parts of the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so to have our practices that were born from survival be made into costumes, be made into toys, be made into, oh, I'm going to dress up as this and it's going to be fun and I'm going to win costume contests and I'm going to make a profit by making these cute little things it's it's unbelievably disrespectful it makes it literally is like bringing tears to my eyes because this is this is my history this is my ancestors like literally bled over this some of them didn't survive over this and 
you know, now I have ancestors that guide me, but I, I, I shouldn't have as much ancestral trauma because of this, you know, like, and for folks to just be so casual about it, it's, it's just disrespectful. I've seen costumes like based on, you know, the, the costumes that you're talking about, like some of those are aesthetically really cool, but like, it's not ours. Like, that's the thing is it's like, that's not for me. Like I'm a white dude. So like, yeah, that's, that is not my history to make a costume out of, even if it looks really cool. Like that's a spot where, I think a lot of Western folks fall over is just that, you know, something looks cool, so let me do that. And like like you said, that we've we really need to come up with something of our own instead. But uh you know. It also reminds me of especially in the Midwest, um and also the East Coast to some extent as well, when I lived there, I saw a lot of costumes of Native Americans with big feather headdresses and such things. And there's even like an ongoing controversy at the university that I study at, the University of Illinois, about changing the mascot from the chief to the Illini, the fighting Illini, and then changing it to something else. Um, and this is going on with all kinds of different sports as well, like the Chicago Blackhawks and the Redskins and all this other stuff. All of these indigenous peoples and their culture and their religion and things that are critically important to their practice are being flattened and commodified and made into toys and trinkets for people who are descended from colonizers. And in doing so, it's insulting to the spirit and to the culture and to the people. And during all of these controversies about changing things back and forth, changing names back and forth to be politically correct or not, no one is really asking the native people themselves how they feel about it. I feel like there's a lot of conversations going on, especially at the University of Illinois, among wealthy white people about what the name should and should not be. And here's the native Ojibwe people of the region who are just still like under the fist of capitalism and colonialism and all of these other evil forces that are forcing them onto reservations and into poverty and into positions where their voice can't be heard. It's, it's kind of sickening to think about. Yeah. And the thing is, is I, I'm actually also indigenous. Um, my people are the Homa and the Chata and uh, the Homa actually aren't federally recognized for better or worse. And it's, and you said um, dis descended from colonizers and it's, it's not, it's still colonization. It's, it's still true. Colonistic behavior um, because that kind of behavior is still, it's still rewarded today. It and is. The thing is, right. is that even me being light skinned, I'm still rewarded for my light skin. I'm still experiencing things that people with darker skin don't get i still get benefits and that's something that i need to use as someone with light skin i need to use my privilege 
in order to help people with darker skin. So we're still rewarded by capitalism, by colonization. And it's important to recognize that we are not simply descendants of colonizers. We are the colonizers still. Absolutely. And we need to use that privilege as much as possible. We need to milk the system that rewards us in order to help and twist it and bring it down from all sides, the inside, the outside, left, right, diagonal. Um, But anyway, so... Revolution! Yes, viva la revolution. But uh, these... Yeah, you're right. It's these people in these boardrooms without a single person who it affects in the room with them and uh, talking about it in these very stale, what is the word I'm looking for? These very like distant sort of almost theoretical remote remote conversations of, oh, but they're just very removed from the situation because it does not directly affect them so it it, it's it's very much almost like a um more of a scientific standpoint to it of like theory or hypothesis not actual okay we're discussing real people real consequences their stake in it is just profit. It's just projected profit. And so they're so disconnected from the reality of the not only the consumers themselves, but just the people, the people who are affected by their decisions. And so, yeah, it is very remote and removed and very distant from reality. Yeah. And it's, and again, it just, that, that just ties back into these costumes, these little crochet poppets. It just, it's, it doesn't affect me except for what I can gain from it. I can win, win contests. I can make money off, off of my Etsy. And it, it's not that big a deal. Or um, on Facebook, I'm actually in a group. Um, I'm, I'm help mod a group. Um, That's not a dream catcher, but okay. Um, And (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And uh, we essentially just make fun of uh, folks uh, who make these garbage dream catchers and none of them are actually Ashinavi uh, in any any clan, any offer and anything. They it's the audacity of these people. We try to educate them. We ask, we ask the question, are you indigenous? Are you native? Are you Ojibwe? Um, well, me and my mom used to make them when we I was little and I, they mean a lot to me and, or people get them tattooed and it's like, well, no wonder your life is crap if you're catching all the bad things and they're stuck to your skin. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it's just, we try so hard to educate. We try so hard to be gentle. We try to be like, Hey, this is sacred this is sacred. Please try something else. Call them wall hangings for fuck's sake. Yeah. They're just, they're just, they're just macrame wall hangings. Call them that. You don't have to call them dream catchers, honey. Cause they are literally not, you've got Disney ears on them. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, they've, they've got little like crystals hanging off of them and they've got little like 
is that Stitch from Lilo and Stitch? Like, no oh, God, Dreamcatcher. <laughs> like, I swear <laughs> to God, the the amount of Disney dream quote unquote Dreamcatchers there are, like, it's yeah. their their wall hangings. I could go on, but <laughs> yeah, that that Facebook group sounds like it might be fun to lurk in because, like, yeah, I've, I wish I didn't hate Facebook so much. I might join in or well, lurk anyway. But yeah, it's. It's really easy for white people and large portions of the United States to just not know any non-white people. It It's very easy to just not know anything. And if you don't have any actual people to see, like, you know, the people who own this history that were appropriate. Yeah, like, it's it's just... It sucks. And another part of it is kind of going back to what I was talking about before about, you know, the costumes looking cool. The uh, pattern on the wall hanging, like that thread pattern, that shape is interesting and cool looking. But, you know, that's not enough. Like it's something being interesting and cool is you know that the you can't just take it that's somebody else's it, that you feeling. gotta ask the questions you gotta be what does it mean where does it come from like you have to ask the questions and these people don't ask the questions they just look at it and go i want that i want to take that i want to make that and yep. it's just no that's that that is that colonizer mindset of i'm going to take this and make it mine and you can't do that. You need to come from a questioning place. You need to come from a place of sitting back and asking the questions. And, and that's what we try to encourage in these people. We try to be like, hey, we try so hard to be gentle when we see in any of these scenarios with the poppets, with the dream catchers, with just any of this stuff. Just, hey... Did you know that that is appropriative? Hey, maybe you didn't know this. Hey, and these people get so defensive. Yeah. I've been doing this forever and it's never been a problem before. And it's like, well, maybe people were expecting you to be defensive and this is exactly what you're doing. Or maybe nobody else knew or, you know, like you're saying, like, especially like in the Midwest, it's just a desert of knowledge because it's just so predominantly white or even if in spaces that aren't there's a lot of folks that are people of color that were not raised having this knowledge because they were raised in these schools that don't have this information because they're like i mean i didn't know a lot of this stuff until I left those schools and I was like free to go on the internet with all of my questions. Yeah, the internet changes the game a lot. Um, I'm very fortunate that through the internet mainly, I have met a lot of a lot of folks who are not cishet white men, and that's been very helpful. Like, if you don't have that point of contact with somebody who is not in that in group, like you, it, it, you don't know. Like, and that's why you know, you're talking about how gentle you're being with these criticisms. Like, there are people who are perfectly good-hearted about it and just ignorant. Like, I, Nick, and I just to, just in this recording learned about a new slur. We didn't know 
I didn't know when uh, I first started like looking up about it that you know what we call dream catchers are super not it. Like I I started that because I was thinking oh, of a game scenario, and it's like hmm, I would like to add somebody who is like having a Native American flair. Maybe their like implement for their magic is a dream catcher. And so I was like, okay, let's see the history of dream catchers. Oh, no. It's a good thing you took that extra step because yeah. most people don't. You know, you you did exactly what Ambrose was saying and started with the, the I'm going to ask the question before I do the thing mindset. And you avoided having – like whenever Ambrose was talking about the person who – had a dream catcher tattooed on them or the design yeah. tattooed on them and their life was really bad because of it. It's it's like whenever people go and get Chinese characters tattooed on themselves, but they don't know any Chinese and they right. end up getting like bowl of soup, you know, <laughs> tattooed on themselves because they didn't even they didn't even ask the question. <laughs> I remember at one point Ambrose and I were making fun of a picture of a white girl who had like the Egyptian guardians. I don't remember the correct term. Um, it was an right. Egyptian symbol tattooed on. It's like Ra. Yeah. Okay. Like, you know, I remember it's like Across that her entire chest. Yeah. And it's like, wow, if curses are real, you are cursed now. Cause like, that's <laughs> so wrong. But you know, like I said, it's really easy to be ignorant about this stuff, at least in the United States and, you know, places that I'm going to go ahead and say most rural places. It's true because um, that's I, where that's the problem. That's where the lack of yeah. exposure really mainly is. I As soon as I move to a proper city, it's like, oh, everyone is here. All of them. Like, it's all here. And like, even like, I live in Arkansas. I live near enough to Little Rock to go there fairly often. And like, Little Rock is fairly diverse in that there are black and Hispanic people, but there are no Muslims. There are like, uh, there are very few Jews in the area. There are few, like not many Native American people anymore. Like there's a lot of ways to just have blind spots and getting into a city where everyone is together is just a life changing, like mind expansion moments. Like, oh, we can make it together. Like these, like everybody's together and like there are disagreements and conflicts, but we're making it work. So like it is possible. It's just, you have to get out of it. Yeah. It's go. just sitting and asking the questions. If you're going to do something, ask the questions before you do it. Or if you've done it and someone approaches you, let them approach you. And if you feel yourself getting defensive, take a step back yeah and if you need to take that step back then voice it voice that hey you know what i feel myself kind of getting my hackles up i need to take a step back or if it's online just step away from your phone from your computer mm -hmm. and just come back to the message later and or if you are in person just be like look i'm feeling myself kind of getting into a space where I'm going to react instead of respond. I need to take a breath. Um, I want to have this conversation with you because it, clearly it's important to you. Um, just give me a minute because clearly I've I've done something to upset you and I, I do want to take this opportunity to speak with you. But let's let's just 
let's just take a second and then listen because especially if it's something that's cultural and it's not your culture you better sit the fuck down take several seats and listen white people are bad at that though but they don't have to be we don't have to be but like the situation like talking about these yeah yeah it's a cop-out for sure but like these conversations are uncomfortable. They're difficult. It, at the start of it, it feels really bad because it's like oh, yeah. you know, for 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 my from my point of view, is I like I'm looking up all like getting on the internet and actually learning some history, not what was taught in school. Like some of the things they taught in school did happen, but they left out a whole lot of stuff too. And like learning that history and being like, oh. These are my ancestors. I am connected to this. And that feeling mm-hmm. in somebody who is like somebody who's trying to do it right, that feeling sucks. Yeah. And I but, get that. And also yeah. it's it's like you can get that sense of like, but you know what? I'm gonna do better than them. Yeah. Fuck them. That's like, the correct response. Know? Like yeah, that might be the legacy they left me, but I can do better just as much as like, especially folks that have kids, like I'm going to do better than my parents and their parents and their parents. Like, I'm not going to let it continue through me. People can do better and they don't need to take the cop out of, well, I'm white, so I'm bad at this. They, y'all can do better. It's just a matter of being like, you know what? I made a mistake. And I, I admit to that and, you know, show me how I can do better, especially if someone's coming with to you with gentility, that takes a lot more than y'all understand. Like I'm speaking to the audience here. Like, I mean, docs, you and I have had great conversations and I appreciate how much you come to me with these questions. Like I love our conversations because I'm glad to hear that. Oh, I love, I love our talks because you come to me like, Hey, like, it's so funny because you always come to me with, I don't want to do the stupid white thing. Mm-hmm. So can we, when you have the space and energy to do this, let me know. I have some questions. You yeah. give me the space to have that conversation. And I, I'll tell you like, yeah, I'm down right now. Or I don't feel like answering those questions right now. And then we'll talk about other things. And then I'll be like, okay. I'm ready for your dumb white question. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <and> <laughs> you then... have you have saved me from so many minefields. It's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm a stupid white dude. Like, I'm trying to do better, but part of doing better is fucking up. And my West, I don't know how this goes elsewhere in the world, but at least here in the United States, people have a bad relationship with failure. Failure. Absolutely true. Failure and making mistakes are a natural part of getting better. And a lot about our society is like, do not fail, be perfect. Uh, a failure is going to last a long time. And like, you know, I remember thinking about getting that impression from the way grading worked in school. It's like, man, I did bad on this one test and now I'm going to have to struggle for everything for the rest of the semester because I was one of those fools who thought grades mattered a whole lot but oh, do you remember like in school things being on our permanent record i never got told permanent record in serious talk but like i there was still a whole lot of like hey this is going to reflect on you going forward and like yeah it 
it was all bullshit, but it like that that approach that we in the West have is incorrect. It's wrong and it's setting us up for misery. You're not the only non-white, not straight person I've talked to. Like uh and so in that phase, it's like Ah crap, I just lost my train of thought entirely. Um <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> You're good, but like it's just like a lot of us really appreciate when folks come to us and be like, hey. I have a question when you have the energy, I would love if you could help me out with this because we want that gentle approach. We want the questions. We want that rather than just straight up assumptions and rolling with it and then getting mad when we're like, Hey, let's don't. And then, you know, just, just, just ask your questions in a way that opens up the conversation and opens up a, you know, I don't have the energy right now, but I'd love to answer it when I do or the, yeah. And like, you know, and then opens up the opportunity for, uh, well, no, you're wrong about that. And here's why that's harmful. And for you to feel your feelings, but also not make the feelings, the person's fault that's calling you out on your shit. Uh, (laughs) That's it. That's the most important part right there. You called to the table gently. You can be called out and called in. That's something that's important. I remember what I what I lost my train of thought on there. What I what I was going to say is, you know, most people that I have met who are not some form of, you know, that are not the cishet white dudes, what I have experienced is that most folks from less privileged groups can usually tell when somebody's coming in with good intentions and when someone's coming in with shitty intentions, like, Oh, absolutely. We know. Yeah. Like there's a common misconception of, you know, less privileged folks being very easy to offend and all that. And like, that's not what I've experienced. What I've experienced is that most folks, you know, and my, I'm a white guy, so I don't have this from firsthand. This is just my observation. But seems like most folks can tell when it's a matter of ignorance and when it's a matter of malice. Yeah, we know. Yeah. So I guess the conclusion for that thread is don't be afraid of making mistakes. Part of being an ally is fucking up and then improving. Yeah. And definitely exactly. don't fuck up and then double down and go the other direction because that's that's much worse. That is not the answer. Yes. That is not the way. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the point at which everybody at which I start going, okay, you're an asshole. Yeah. Uh I guess the conclusion of that thought is don't be afraid to make mistakes. Not at all, because again, most people are going to as long as don't double down, don't just don't get into that space of reactivity yeah or or in the event that you do pull it back apologize recognize that you've reacted and asked for what can i do to make amends then everything will be okay it's just it's all about that recognition it's all about that self accountability that's what's that's a big issue is that a lot of folks don't have that self-accountability 
Very few people in privileged positions have the incentive to get outside of their own box. And so whenever they're forcibly shown, or not forcibly, but maybe just shown against their will that they are in a box and that their box has certain parameters, it's usually a very unpleasant experience for them. And that's that's kind of what can lead to that sort of doubling down and reactivity. And nobody likes to be shown their own sort of shortcomings and dark sides. But it's an important thing to it's an important thing for people to experience in order to grow and in order to become better as people. I don't understand this huge sort of epidemic in the United States especially, but in the West in general with people being wrong and then just deciding that they're right and everybody else is wrong about something. I don't understand how that how that math works out in their head. It is completely counterintuitive to like becoming a smarter, more well-rounded and more kind and more content and peaceful person. The bigger someone's world is, the the more peaceful and content they are and the more intelligent and cultured they are. And so I don't understand why there's this like resistance to becoming that way. In spirituality and a lot of spiritual circles, we call it the dark night of the soul because it feels almost like in a way um, a death. It feels like a death of what what you know. It feels like a death of a former self. And it can be like a great mourning. It feels like just, I've been through a few. (laughs) So I can attest to it feeling like I have lost parts of myself, everything that I've known. It's scary. It feels it very much feels like experiencing a great grief of something or someone that I knew that I can never get back. And then coming out of it, it's great, but going through it, it's quite painful. Mm-hmm. And I can see that, that, you know, when you're going through it, no one quite wants it, but it is very necessary. It is, you, you, you ultimately do want it. And the thing is, is, well, we're, we're scared of what we don't really understand. And a lot of folks are resistant to, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess like when you describe a dark night of the soul, it's kind of vague because you basically just say what I just said, which is like, it's like a death and people are like, oh, well, I don't want that. And it's like, well, it's hard to explain because everyone's different. Um, Yeah. And it's, I mean, I'm literally shrugging right now and shaking my head. I'm like, I don't know how to tell you what yours is going to be like because everyone's is a little different. Um, It seems like the theme is is great change of some kind. And people are usually resistant and scared of great change. And it is. It's very much that. I think all three of us have uh, some background in tarot reading. It's like it's one of the reasons that the death card and the tower cards are Mm -hmm. often considered bad cards. Like the tower is things are going to change and death is something is going to end. And here in the United States, we have this or well, probably everywhere, really. But 
uh, in the United States especially, we have this idea of perfection, of things being at the top, of things reaching its end, and of things being ideal. And that is not possible in a world that changes as much as this one does. Uh, like th- that, that state they're looking for is not possible. And like it makes sense that this would cause, you know, emotional distress it's like a death. It's the death of a worldview. When I was just, you know, when I first got to college and started, you know, meeting more than one non-white person at a time and started like learning the actual history of the United States, that was a death. Like I mm-hmm. once upon a time I was uh staunch capitalist. I thought it was a great idea that if competition would actually make things better, and then I start actually looking at what its result, and it's like, I was wrong. Everything I thought I knew was wrong, and like you said, that sucks. Like, that's the dark night of the soul. You've got to go through, like, your worldview is shattered, so you have to go make a new one, and a lot of people just don't have it in them to make a new one. Yeah, because the thing is, is like, when you come out of a dark night of the soul, you're new again, and yep. you're kind of squishy and soft, and you are, you're not, you don't have like a a shell around you. You're not protected like you once were, so you're malleable. Yeah, uh, there's a video game line that I like that uh kind of captures that essence. Uh, it's from Path of Exile. And it is a line that is no longer in the game, but used to be the introduction to the game's end game. So, you know, before you're getting into the end game, you have been wrecking everything. You killed the final boss. You're feeling like a badass. And then somebody says, here's the end game. It will return you to a state of glorious helplessness. And that seems like what's going on here. It's like you got through one layer and then realize, oh, that layer didn't even matter. Here we are again. You're back in this vulnerable place. And after, you know, when you've been safe and get back into that spot, that that's a terrifying situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, and I, and of course I think about, um, I think about like butterflies. I think about how with a caterpillar, they start out so vulnerable as tiny itty bitty little cat- caterpillars and then they get huge they get massive mm-hmm. right in a very short amount of time and then they turn into chrysalis and in the chrysalis they completely break down into just effluence into goo. right it's good and that's what it feels like that's what it feels like when you have your whole world change when you have your whole world challenged everything that you know yeah it's important to just go through that to accept that's what's going to happen when you have everything you know everything that you keeps you safe challenged because the thing is is that keep you safe are what put other people in detriment right that safety at the cost of others is unacceptable it is it really really is and you can use those things that's why we say use your privilege and that's why i said earlier me being light-skinned me being perceived as a cis woman i can use that 
I can it, I can play on the fact that I've got these connections um through my dad. He was a I I hesitate to say this, um, but I will. He was a, a police officer. Right. I'm fully a cab, <laughs> but he was a police officer. And I will use that privilege to, you know, I'll be like, well, if I have to talk to a cop, I'll be like, yeah, my dad was a cop. And da, 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 da. That'll get them to listen to you more. Like, based on what little experience with police I've had, like, yeah, they'll absolutely go like, oh, like, she's in the fold or he's in the fold or whatever. Whatever no, and the they, situation they will, is. They will say they will say she and I will fully go into she mode and be like, oh yeah, my dad was a cop. I understand what y'all go through. Thank you. Blah, 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 blah. <clears> I will <throat> fully, fully go into that mode if it means protecting others. Yeah, they're not. That is my privilege. They don't know better. Yeah. They're going to use their privilege. We might as well do the same. And that's the thing is that's what people don't understand is that I am putting myself in danger because if these, if these people actually knew who I was, uh, that'd be bad. That'd be a bit bad. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Pretty dangerous. They'd be a bit bad. And uh, especially if they actually understood that I am not white, I am very light-skinned Afro-Indigenous, I'm putting myself at risk, but I'm using what privilege I have and doing what I need to do to keep others safe. And that's just my role. And other people can do the same thing. And I actually had a situation in my old town where um, there was a peaceful BLM protest and uh, it got violent because people from a, a neighboring town came and did a counter protest saying BLM does not in fact matter. And they became violent with the BLM protester, uh, you know, party. And someone's neck actually got dislocated. Oh, shit. Um, yeah. That's and real I, violence. I didn't. Yes, that is violence. I did not know that was actually physically possible. And someone in uh, the town's like Facebook group, uh, someone who is also black, said, hey, this is why we don't. The few of us in the town who are people of color don't feel safe because none of y'all showed up because like we don't we don't feel safe actually being the ones out there protesting and i i chimed in and i said yeah i don't feel safe leaving my house and so i actually got messages in my inbox saying um if you need someone if you want to go protest we will create a human shield for you if you want to if you need someone to go to the grocery store with you or for you we will do it and it was actually shocking i've never had people say that they would do these things for me and that was allyship yeah and i've never experienced that before or since and this was this was at the height of all of that during you know 2020 2021 mm -hmm. um it was it hurt my heart quite a bit but it's was needed and that was when i realized that i will take no less from other people and I think I need to see more of that in folks. So circling way back, all of this with the costumes and the, the gaining profit from, you know, people making dream catchers or or puppets or any kind of gain 
from cultures that are not your own and someone approaches you and says, hey, that's not cool, you need to realize that when we try to sell our own culture in a way, we make them properly and try to gain profit. What we get, and I can say this as having experienced it, oh, but those are spiritual thing items and Uh, you can't make money off of spiritual things that's not right or we oh that's too much money you're asking for too much for that labor or oh i saw somebody else selling it for less or or i get a lot of um being that i'm a professional tarot reader i can't charge as much as i've seen white folks charging i've seen white folks charge hundreds of dollars for maybe an hour not even a full hour reading whereas i could never get away with that yeah and i've seen people charge hundreds of dollars for a little crochet poppet which i could never (sighs) do for multiple reasons and it's again this privilege and it's beyond rude it's beyond disgusting it's beyond anything and it's just people are doing this and still we try to be gentle because if we're not gentle then it's just going to feed into the bias of the racist bias of oh these people are so rude and we have to be so pc these days and and blah 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard all those all those mumblings too. It's just I've heard it, you know, from the point of view of somebody, you know, thinking, oh, this guy's white, he's in he's in on the joke or whatever. And it's like that's not how it is. But you know, tying it all back to where we started, um it you know, as you're listening to as we post this rather, it's Friday the thirteenth, it's October, it's time for halloween uh and so let's just have a good spoopy season and like actually think about your costumes don't steal it from other people thank you ambrose for coming on and for sharing as much as you did and your experience and everything we really appreciated it and i think that everybody will enjoy um hearing the stories and hearing the information you've shared thank you for having me it's been wonderful yeah this was great uh if you want to come back and talk about something else sometime, we are perfectly happy to do another one because, like like I said, this was great. Totally open invitation. I would love to. Thank you. Awesome. Hey, folks. This is Docs speaking after the recording. We forgot to plug Ambrose's social media. So you can find him on Instagram and Facebook under the name Sweet Teeth Bite Harder. You can also email him at sweetteethbiteharder at gmail.com. All one word, no dots or underscores. Also, you can find a link to Ambrose's Kofi in the description. Listeners, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Hope you learned something. Uh, Hope you can take this information and use it to grow. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next time.